Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Happy Friday, everybody. And I hope you all had a really great week. Nice uh, long Memorial Day weekend that uh, refreshed you for this week, actually. But we are finishing up Joshua chapter 6 today, verses 15 through 27. We are going to finally talk about the fall of the walls of Jericho and see how God accomplished this for his people and everything that went into this. So I'll be reading this out of the W.E.B. as per usual, but please feel free to grab your Bible in the version that you prefer and also your cup of coffee or your cup of tea on this lovely Friday morning. We have not had any rain and it has been like 75 degrees for a while and is supposed to continue to be 75 degrees for quite a while. It has been beautifully hot. I just love it. I love it. I'm out in my garden. I am doing stuff. But okay, contact me. Tell me what you're doing with the weather that you currently have. I actually love weather. I love hearing about it. So contact me. Tell me about the weather. Tell me where you live. And also answer this question. What is your favorite book of the Bible. I would love to hear that answer to that question. Okay, so let's go ahead and read Joshua 6, 15 through 27 and talk about the fall of Jericho. On the seventh day, they rose up early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same way seven times. On this day only, they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, For Yahweh has given you the city. The city shall be devoted, even it and all that is in it, to Yahweh. Only Rahab the prostitute shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from what is devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted it, you take of the devoted thing, so you would make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver, gold, and the vessels of bronze and iron are holy to Yahweh. They shall come into Yahweh's treasury. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight in front of him, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, an ox, sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring the woman and all that she has out from there as you swore to her. The young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab with her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. They also brought out all of her relatives and they set them outside of the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only they put the silver, the gold, and the vessels of bronze and of iron into the treasury of Yahweh's house. But Rahab the prostitute, her father's household, and all that she had, Joshua saved alive. She lives in the middle of Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua commanded them with an oath at that time, saying, Cursed is the man before Yahweh who rises up and builds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he will lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So Yahweh was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. 
Alrighty, so it says on the seventh day they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same way seven times. Once again, it's so interesting all the sevens we see here. The seventh day, seven times, seven priests, uh, seven trumpets. There's so many sevens here that are going on. I don't know. I, I truly don't know why it seems like God works in sevens. I'd love to know what you think about that or an interesting opinion about that that you've heard because I don't know. It doesn't say in scripture why God likes the number seven, but he often uses it. The seventh day, which would have potentially been Sabbath, actually. This just goes to show that the Sabbath day of rest was not like God was going to murder people if they didn't take a Sabbath rest. There were things that were appropriate to do on the Sabbath day. And even Jesus said that to the Pharisees. When Jesus was walking with his disciples and they were plucking the heads of grain and eating, the Pharisees were really angry because they were like, you're working on the Sabbath day by, you know, harvesting that grain and eating it. And Jesus says, well, there are appropriate things you can do on the Sabbath day. You can always do good. You can always uh, help somebody. You can always serve somebody. But first and foremost, the main thing you do on the Sabbath day is listen to God. And so the Israelites here were listening to God. They're putting their entire trust in God, actually, by doing this crazy thing of walking around Jericho seven times. You know, that's why this story is so often repeated, because of how interesting this really is. This is a miracle. Buildings don't just fall down after people walk around them. <laughs> but anyway, the Israelites were following God's command. And that's the main thing you do on the Sabbath day. You follow God's command. You love God, you worship God, and you serve God. And that's literally the point of the Sabbath day. You take a day off to serve God. <laughs> literally, that is the point of it. So that's what the Israelites here were doing. They weren't breaking the Sabbath day. They were doing exactly what God told them to do on the Sabbath day which was to honor him and to trust in him. So anyway, they walk around Jericho seven times. And once again, Jericho was not huge. Probably would have taken, I would guess, a handful of hours to be able to, to walk around Jericho seven times. So this was not like a short process, but it wouldn't have been as long as people make it out to be because Jericho was a rather small city. But anyway, at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for Yahweh has given you the city. So if you remember from Wednesday's episode, the people were supposed to remain completely quiet. And I don't remember if I mentioned this on Wednesday or not. Forgive me if I if I did not mention this. But the priests did not have to be quiet. In fact, the priests were supposed to blow the trumpets when they were walking around the city. And I believe this was mainly because... God wanted the, the people of Jericho to know that the Israelites were there. And that was important. We talked about all that on Wednesday. There was actually a reason, several reasons why God had the Israelites walk around Jericho as often as they did. There was a point to all of that. But I'm not going to go back into that today. So anyway, Joshua now tells the people, okay, it's time to shout. I told you to totally be quiet before. But now shout, for God has given you the city. But before the people shout, Joshua gives them a warning. He says, the city shall be devoted, even it and all that is in it, to Yahweh. Only Rahab the prostitute shall live. She and everybody who is in her house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. But as for you, keep yourselves away from what is devoted to destruction. So what that means 
is that the entire city was to be completely demolished. Now, God does do this on occasion. There are times when God will destroy somebody or a nation even for their sins. However, God is very slow to do that. We see that in scripture that God is very, very slow to totally destroy a person because God wants that person or those people to turn to him first. And that's basically what we talked about on Wednesday as well. But God wants people to turn back to him. And so he's very slow to destroy a people, but he will. He will do that because God is very just. And once a person is completely and totally against God, and there is no way that they are going to turn to God at all, God will destroy that nation of people or that city of people in this case. So Jericho, there was nobody else that was going to turn to God. The city was totally and completely depraved. They were totally anti-God because Jericho heard about God. They heard about God 40 years prior to this when God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt in such a miraculous way. And yet the people of Jericho did not turn their hearts towards God, but Rahab had. And so that's why Rahab and her entire family was going to be saved because Rahab had a heart change for God. She believed in Yahweh. She believed in what Yahweh was doing through the Israelites. And she knew that Jericho was going to fall to the Israelites. And so she changed her heart and asked the two messengers that she hid if they would please spare her and her family. And they said, yes, we will. So Joshua says here, though, that the people need to totally remove themselves from anything that is depraved in the city. So all these beautiful idols of gold and silver and bronze and iron and whatever else, these idols needed to be completely destroyed along with the city. The Israelites shouldn't be tempted by the gold or the silver or the jewels or whatever is on these idols. Instead, they should totally 100% destroy them along with that city. And Joshua says, do not bring those idols back into the camp because you will cause trouble for all of Israel if you bring those idols into the camp because God detests idols. He detests idolatry. The very first sin in the Garden of Eden, arguably, could be the sin of idolatry. Adam and Eve wanted to know what it would be like to be God. In a sense, they were idolizing themselves. And I mean, that's the, that's the one lie Satan uses over and over and over again. You can be like God if you do this or this or this. And these idols, of course, are man-made inventions. They were made by human hands so that that human could worship this idol and just decide whatever they wanted to worship instead of listening to Yahweh and just worshiping whatever thoughts came into their minds that they decided that these idols were, you know, part of or whatever. Like, for example, Asherah, the goddess of sex and fertility. Somebody made her up so that they could have sex <laughs> and worship sex. That was the point of Asherah and all these other gods, the same thing. So these idols, God hates them. He hates them because they are lies. And it's the original lie. You can be like God. So of course, God does not want these idols inside of the Israeli camp. 
He wants them to be totally gone. So Joshua says, destroy all these idols. However, anything that's not an idol that is made out of bronze, gold, or silver, or iron, those things will be holy to Yahweh. So this means that none of the Israeli soldiers actually got any bounty from this particular battle. Everything went to Yahweh. This entire city would be devoted to Yahweh and totally 100% destroyed. So it says the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight in front of him, and they took the city and they did exactly what Joshua told them to do. They went into the city and nobody was spared. Not man, not woman, not child, not elderly, not even animals. Everything was totally destroyed. The only person that was saved was Rahab. She stayed in her house the entire time and her house was on the wall. So that was the only portion of the wall that was not totally destroyed, actually. So Joshua said to the two spies, go into the prostitute's house, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. So the spies went in and they brought Rahab out with her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. They also brought out all of her relatives and set them outside of the camp of Israel. So there you go. I mean, it wasn't just Rahab that had this heart change. Rahab's entire family wanted to be saved from the coming destruction. And perhaps not all of them had a heart change. Perhaps they were just scared of the Israelites. That could be it as well. But regardless, because of one woman's change of heart toward God, God blessed her and her entire family. It seems like there was quite a lot of people in her house. Her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had, so they could have been sisters as well, could have been nieces and nephews, could have been cousins. It could have been any number of relatives that she had. They also brought out all of her relatives. So I mean, man, I bet there's a lot of relatives cramped in Rahab's home. But perhaps that was another reason why God had the Israelites walk around the city so many times was to make sure that everybody who wanted to be saved in Rahab's house could be saved. Similar to, this kind of reminds me of Noah and the ark. You know, Noah asked and begged people to come onto the ark, but nobody wanted to go onto the ark. They didn't believe the coming destruction. At least Rahab and her family believed that God was so powerful that Jericho could not stand. So in some ways, Rahab and her entire family were more righteous than the people of Noah's day. And they recognized the coming destruction and that God was powerful. Yahweh was powerful. So it says that Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all that she had, Joshua saved alive. She lives in the middle of Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So because Rahab did this thing, she became an Israeli citizen. And she was able to live in Israel as long as she lived, basically. And she actually became one of the women mentioned in the line of Jesus. And a lot of people say that one of the spies was potentially her husband that was in the line of Jesus, and that could very well be, or it could just be that Rahab met a nice guy, 
totally turned away from her prostitution and uh, ended up marrying him in Israel. So yeah, Rahab and her entire family was saved and kept alive, but the rest of the city was totally destroyed by the sword. And then after that, everything was burned. So everything that was an idol, everything that was bad was totally burned. And Jericho was left completely destroyed. Can you imagine like a a completely fortified city? Just all of a sudden in mere minutes, mere hours being completely destroyed. That's an act of God. That's the only way Joshua could have done this was through God's help. And it actually says Joshua became very famous because of this battle. But the very last part here is really interesting. Joshua commanded them with an oath at that time saying, cursed is the man who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. So I actually looked this up and I looked this up on secular uh, websites, actually, like history.com or whatever. And a lot of them were actually poking fun at the Bible because Joshua cursed anybody who would build up the city Jericho. And these websites were like, ha, well, the city of Jericho did get built up by multiple people over the years. However, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. And this says, In Ahab's time, Hale of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in according to the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. So the very first person to rebuild Jericho after it was destroyed some 600, 700 years later was this guy named Hale or Heel of Bethel. And what ended up happening to Heel of Bethel was exactly what Joshua said was going to happen to anybody who rebuilt Jericho. Cursed is the man before Yahweh who rises up and rebuilds this city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he will lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. And remember, this was written hundreds of years before 1 Kings was even written. This was prophecy of what was going to happen. And it ended up being fulfilled by this guy, Heel of Bethel. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram. So somehow Abiram, his firstborn son, died when Heel laid the foundations of Jericho. And when Heel was almost done and started setting up the gates, he lost his youngest son, Segub. And this was exactly what Joshua said was going to happen. And so it's really funny, these secular websites that are like, ha! Jericho was rebuilt and there was no curse on whoever rebuilt it. Well, in scripture, it does say that there was somebody hundreds of years later that rebuilt it. And this was documented history in first Kings and heal, even though himself didn't die because he rebuilt Jericho, rather his sons died. And it was exactly what Joshua said was going to happen to anybody who rebuilt Jericho in the future. Friends and faithful listeners, I really hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. And you know what? If you 
love the podcast, consider going over to the t-shirt shop and grabbing yourself a t-shirt. I have a handful of Lion of Judah tees left in stock, a couple in each size, I want to say. But also the Bible Explained podcast t-shirts are in stock, so you can check those two things out. That is linked in the description of this podcast episode. Now, also, I am going to be doing another YouTube video very, very shortly here. So if you have not gone over to YouTube and subscribed yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, go over to YouTube because I do special things over on the YouTube channel that I do not do here on the podcast. So if you want more content, go over there and check that stuff out. Friends and faithful listeners, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and I will see you back bright and early on Monday. Happy listening and God bless.